Hello. Hey, John, how are you doing? Hi there, Dan. How's everything going? <clears throat> oh, you know, pretty chill. Yeah. Pretty chill. Good. Just uh, chill until the next episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Good. <laughs> so, uh, been been noticing uh, you're you've been a little more active again on Instagram, which is always nice to follow you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you said that you gave yourself a haircut and that it was too short. I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. I think uh, I think it's usually too long. Oh, there, there, there you go. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, uh, I feel like the, are you having a beer? I don't drink alcohol. Oh, that's right. I, I that's certainly right. wouldn't drink beer because there's gluten in it. This is a, uh, right. your, your, your favorite lime LaCroix. Oh, okay. Lime LaCroix. You're having a picnic. A little picnic. <clears throat> uh, I feel like when my hair is too short that the, um, you, you know, look, it's, you look, it's you, to of, me, you look younger and thinner. Yeah. It's one of these dysmorphia, dysmorphia situations where, as I've described before, I feel like I have <clears throat> a lot of face and um, <laughs> yes. so much face that it overwhelms my head. Even. <laughs> and yeah. so a little bit of hair uh, offsets the, uh, the largeness of my face relative to like my brain pan or whatever it is that, you know, relative to like the, that's where the, the oil goes when the engine's not running. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. Yes. Circulates through there. Uh-huh. So, but that's all of course, uh, because I can only ever really see my face. I don't, I don't see myself from different angles because my eyes are in the front of my face. So mm-hmm. it's the only, when I look into a reflection in a pond or something, uh, <clears throat> I see more face than anything else. So I'm sure it's a dysmorphia, um, but it is there, but there it is. So, so yeah, I wear it a little long, but, but the problem of cutting it too short is that I didn't intend to, right? I, I started to do a little thing. I had been I'd been doing a great job tending to my hair for a long time, and then what happens every six to nine months is I get in there and I start doing a thing, and then I feel like oh I've got to correct that mistake, and pretty soon I I put myself in a position where the only solution is to just give myself a soccer player haircut, except without the mullet, mm-hmm. and and so it's it's more frustration. At having, at having failed at the the task I set out to do, which was give myself a cool haircut, mm-hmm. it's 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 frustration that then I'm forced to just try and salvage any haircut, and it's honestly, Dan, at in those moments, it's all I can do to not. I'm so frustrated. It's all I can do to not just shave my head every time. <laughs> I think it looks great. I mean, everybody is their own worst critic, right? So when when you look right. in the mirror, you're gonna see stuff that no one else is going to see. And even if they did see it, they wouldn't care about it. But to, to you or me or whoever's the, the, the one in looking in the mirror, it looks like, Oh my, I can't believe that. Or I'll look at this thing or whatever. And that's, but you, you got to know that that's just you. It's just you. Right. Everyone else says John has a nice haircut. Yeah. 
And you can, well, you can definitely pull off longer hair. You can pull off shorter hair. You can do whatever. It's, you know, but no, it's what I will tell you that, that whatever it is that you think makes you look weird with a short haircut is fully delusional. You look just fine. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's very reassuring. And I, I, I prefer it, but you, you know, you've got to do what you're happy with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not handling not handling this little period of aging very well which uh subsection are you talking about well the little period here you know 10 years ago my beard was brown Mm -hmm. uh, with just the slightest little sort of um light coloring around the chin and the mustache which were blonde late you know late 30s you're talking about no 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 early to mid 40s okay and uh, when my daughter was born, you know, those early pictures of her with me the first three years or so, my hair is is the color that it always was, sort of dishwater, blondish, brownish, you know, there's a, there's a kind of ash color to my hair uh, that's just that sort of regular hair color of that just a segment of of white people that doesn't have very much color mm-hmm. right the hair was just a sort of um ashy dirty blondie i mean i would say dirty blonde my daughter would say brown mm-hmm. but it, it it didn't even have a it didn't even have the saturation of a brown it just looked like dishwater <laughs> uh and then you can see between the ages when she's about between three and and eight, my beard just turned white, you know, turned turned white really fast. And my hair went from dirty, ashy to like dirty, ashy with lots of now new kind of white in it. And that's all exciting, right? I mean, I was I was excited by it because I've always imagined a kind of a time when I would be gray and full of gravity and 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 honestly gray seems way cooler than dishwater mm, sure um you know the i would be sort of gandalfy but the combination of the you know the way the gray came in and the fact that i've been carrying a little weight and when i'm at this age now when i carry weight like uh, you know, I, I've always had a large neck, uh, but, but that's really, I mean, like I really notice it. Like I, I have to get, I can't just buy an extra large shirt, which fits me in every other dimension and button the neck comfortably. Do you, so when you talk about having a large neck, are you saying that you feel that your neck is really like strong and you got big traps or are you mm-hmm. saying that it's, it's, you carry excess fat somehow in, in and around your neck. Well, like I have an 18 inch neck, which is you, I mean, it's not like a shirt that you can't buy, right. but it's not, it's not a off the rack dimension. Yeah. And yeah, it's, are you the, saying you put, you put on like a t-shirt and the t-shirt is too tight around no, your neck? No, t-shirts are just there. No, it's not, it's not that it's not like, like it's a dress crazy. shirt, a dress shirt, but no, it's just kind of, again, it's a dysmorphia probably, but, but it, but, what I didn't expect was that I, uh, that when I look in the mirror now, I do not look at myself and say, ah, gray, he's a gray fox, 
You know, he's like a, he's, um, you know, kind of aging into this sort of elder ninja state. And I worry, <laughs> um, I worry very much that I'm, that I'm aging into a kind of, um, like my, my terror is that I'm aging into a George Lucas state. And there are, I mean, George Lucas is, does not have a very strong chin. Right. But that, that quality that he has where, you know, where he's got a big face and it's sitting on top of a tower of waddle. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like that. Right. A tower of waddle. <laughs> and the problem is he, he doesn't, no, no, no one has ever, no stylist has ever gotten to him and said like, here's what we can do. No, you nobody's know, ever gone to him and, and no. about anything. <laughs> right. And it just seems like at some point, somebody that cared about him, some like a child, a daughter or something, somebody would have said like, let's try something else than what you're trying. Um, but, but when I look at myself now, because there, people have always teased me and, and, but also like people have honestly compared me over the years, like, like, um, even trying to be generous, they've said like, wow, you, you really look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I'm like, that is not <laughs> who I'm shooting for, you know? And it may be, <laughs> I, I, I guess I can see that it may be true, you know, but, um, but like, Back in back when I was younger, and people said like, "Oh, you look like Val Kilmer." I disagreed. I don't look like Val Kilmer, but I took it as a, as a compliment. compliment. Sure, back then, right? Um, um, like I, I don't look like Christian Slater, but people would would compare us because there was some kind of attitude similarity or something. And I would say, "I don't look like him," but but yes, I take that as a compliment, and and um. No one has said you look like George Lucas yet, but it feels like only a matter of time that some random, like I used to get compared to James Spader. Have you ever had the David Harbor, um, comparison? Like who's David Harbor? Well, he's, he's put on some weight. So that aside, he is the, uh, oh, yeah, sheriff yeah, yeah. in stranger things. I've heard that a lot. And, and, uh, I think that's that there are similarities. Like our hairline is similar. Mm -hmm. Um, he seems he has the same, our size. Yeah. I mean, he's, like I said, he's put on weight. You're not that big, but like there's the overall demeanor of him. And that is a, a cat. It's, there's a, there's a very, very fine line between casualness and sloppiness mm. and you're on the side of casualness. And I don't think you go into the sloppy side. I think he goes into the sloppy side and at least in the show, in the show, the character of, uh, of the, the sheriff. I don't think you well, do that. I think you stay on the casual side, which is to say there's something, but there is a, there is a, like you have dressed up and often dress up very, you know, you'll put on a suit and a tie. Maybe you'll wear an ascot with a, uh, 
a beret or something. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you do that, but I'm just talking about in like your day, day to day life. I can see the overall demeanor of him and you being very similar. There's like a loose limbed yeah. quality. Um, and, a um, and there is, <clears throat> I know exactly what you mean about sloppy. I have always felt like you could put me in a, in a $5,000 suit and, you know, and, and, and stand me there with, you know, like three sort of British guys with tape measures around their shoulders and, uh, you know, and pins in their mouths. Right. Going like, no, yes, hell yes. Oh, it's perfect. Y'all absolutely. And I could turn around or I would say like, excuse me, I just have to go to the restroom and I would come back out and I'd look like I'd been sleeping in the suit for four days. Right. Like there's, there's something about the, about my physicality that, I can only be so slick, right? I cannot, I've, I've had friends that could, that would spend all day in a suit. And at the end of the day, they looked just as good as they did at the beginning Ah, of the day. You know, they just had a, an athleticism. The suit was the suit. They just wear clothes in a way where the shirt never comes untucked. Right. You know, they're, they're just like, um, they could dig a ditch and they'd step out of it cleaner. That's right. That's right. And I'm the opposite, right? As soon as I walk across the room, my shirt pulls out of my <laughs> pants and one of my cuffs gets caught in my sock and, you know, it's like my collar goes askew. It's just the nature of it. And I, I embraced that when I was a teenager, just realizing like, I'm never going to be slick. And so like I'm inside my mind, I'm rumpled. So rumpled is, so when I'm rumpled outside, it's, there's a consistency to it. Uh-huh, right? I there's, get it. Yeah. Cause nothing inside my head is like, I'm slick. You know, it's just like, <laughs> nope, I'm just feel like I just woke up and I look like I just woke up. But to cross over, you know, Merlin used to, used to, uh, torment me by, by, uh, saying that I look like Bruce Valanche, Bruce Valanche, I guess is how he pronounces it. You know, the ultimate <clears throat> kick in the kicking the groin. Oh, I had to Google that person, but now I, I know, I, I know yeah. that is. And, and, uh, nothing, and then people like that, it. people that listened to Roderick on the line took that up a little bit as a kind of, you know, good natured way to, to give me the business. And, you know, <laughs> in all honesty, I see the resemblance or, no. I mean, I can understand, I can understand the, the, the parallels. Um, but, Hold on. but I'm, it, I'm texting you uh, right now a couple of images of an actor whose name is Mark Menchaca. He, what, have you seen the excellent Netflix uh, show Ozark? Yes. Okay. He was in the first season of Ozark and he was like the uncle of the blonde girl, I think is what he was. And he also was in the black mirror episode with Miley Cyrus as the dad. He's the, he's the one that was super scary in Ozark. The like bad. No, 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 not him. He was the, the guy that, well, you'll see his picture in a second. It's kind it's. Oh coming. yeah. Oh, right. So he, and he, and it turned out that he was gay and hiding it from everybody. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no spoilers. Oh, right. Sorry. But, uh, so yeah, he has a lot of the same color. Yeah. He's got the same beard sort of style and the, the hair coming over. And in the second one, there's you sort of dressed fancy. Yeah. He, um, right. Yeah. There's a lot of, 
he, he's got a little bit more red uh-huh. in his beard than I ever had. But yes, he could play if I was ca- if I was today if if I was tasked with casting you in a in a movie about you. Not only do I think he looks very much like you, but I think he he could play you successfully personality wise as well. Well, so now that is an example of an actor <clears throat> where if someone compared me to uh, this actor appearance wise, mm-hmm. I would not only agree, but I would I would receive that as a compliment. I yeah. think he's I think Good he's too. handsome, and I think he's got and uh, and the the number of uh, elements where I feel like I resemble this person, it, it, it stacks up. So the guy from Stranger <laughs> Things, the guy from Stranger Things feels a little bit like meatier than me. Yeah, for and sure. And I think everybody would acknowledge that, yes, right? That he's absolutely. just sort of, he, and it's not fat, it's just that he's broader than I am. There was a thread over on the fan page of Omnibus where somebody said, who would win in a fight, John <laughs> or the guy from Stranger Things? <laughs> Which normally I like that kind of thread because yeah. normally, you know, there was a, there was a, what was the answer? Uh, there was a death cab for cutie thread at one point that said, you know, if, if the members of death cab and John and a couple other people were all in a, in a room where there was a survival situation and only one of them could, only one of them would live. Um, like how would it break out <clears throat> battle Royale style? And it, you know, and, and, the consensus was it came down to me and death cab for cuties drummer. And, uh, and you know, and it was there and then it, then it was just a question of like who had the resolve. Uh, but in the case of the stranger things guy, there, the general consensus was that he would win because he, and half, half the people were like, because he has supernatural powers or whatever it is from the show. I haven't okay. seen the most recent season. Um, but, but I had to, I had to somewhat agree. He's bigger than I am. I, I feel like, and I don't know how tall he is, but I think he's tall. And I just, I it, seeing him walk through a room, his shoulders would touch each side of a door frame. <laughs> and I feel like I would have to, I'd have to really gain some leverage somewhere. I, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to find a tool. Um, but this guy that you're pointing out, the guy from Ozark, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just, you know, I like the cut of his jib, I guess, is what it is. When I look at him, I go, oh, yeah, I, I think I can be friends with him. And I see the resemblance. But but all of this is not, a, uh, all of it, n- none of it changes the my internal uh, uh, kind of situation right now, which is that over the years, I've gone through phases where I would look at myself and say, oh, all right, you're doing pretty good. Um, your, outs- your appearance comports with with how you think of yourself when i when i would picture myself in my mind and then i would see myself in the mirror i would go right that's about there's an equivalency i i imagine myself as a guitar player in his late 30s and i look in the mirror and i see a guitar player in his late 30s right we would like to say thank you very much to the Flatiron school if you are tired of your day job and ready to launch a career in tech Check out the Flatiron School. They teach people with little to no experience in tech the skills that they need to change careers in as little as four months. You can learn software engineering, data science, or uh, or UX UI design. You can learn it online, or 
On the WeWork campuses, they've got them in New York, London, and around the world. You'll learn from expert instructors and join WeWork's dynamic entrepreneurial community and change careers with confidence with one-to-one career coaching and their tuition-back guarantee. You can follow their proven job search framework and receive a job in six months or you'll get your tuition back. Pretty cool. Join the thousands of students who've changed things. And if you're ready for a change, here's what you do. Go to flatironschool, flatironschool.com slash roadwork. That's right. They made a special URL, flatironschool.com slash roadwork, and learn how you can get your future started today. Very cool. And thank you very much to Flatiron School for making this show possible. But now there's a little bit of a disconnect. I, I still sort of picture myself in a certain way. And in fact, I sort of picture myself like this actor that you're, that you're, uh-huh. uh, that you've, that you've introduced me to. Well, what, what I think you're Except identifying without the red in the beard. Y- yes. But what the, your the point you just made, I agree with it because the, the thing that I'm learning about getting older, and this is the thing I haven't, I haven't really heard people talk about it. People would say, oh, it sucks getting old. Oh, this thing doesn't work. This is hard when it used to be easy. I hear those kinds of things all the time. But the thing that you just said really lines up with, with what I've been thinking about, which is the image that you have of yourself, not just physically, but as a, as a, a whole human the concept that you have of who you, who is John Roderick, who is Dan that lives in your mind that gets formed sometime. I'm going to say like fully formed probably in your maybe thirties, maybe early mid thirties. And I'm sure that it gets formed before that and redefined, but I feel like when you're in your mid thirties, like that image of yourself kind of gets stuck. And that you've got a grace period of like five or so, maybe even 10 years, but at least five years. And then when you get into your forties, that image that you have of yourself as a person no longer lines up with what you really are. Of course, maybe you could say it never really lined up exactly, but if you're, if you're kind of self-aware, maybe it's pretty close. But then by the time that you're a bit older than that, like, for example, with me, my hair today is not what I think it is. I'm not bald. I'm not really balding in the aggressive sense, but it's thinning. It's thinning on top and Mm. in the front. And that does not align with the image that I have of myself Mm -hmm. because for most of my life, not only did I have a full head of hair, I had a wonderful, luxurious, thick, full head of hair that that could fight fight battles like a badger yeah yeah and now it is it is not like that Mm -hmm. and nobody who knows me now thinks of it like that um maybe if there's somebody i haven't seen in 10 or 15 years they they still are hanging on to that but in my mind i know what i look like now duh but it doesn't like, that's like, oh, right. Like, still, when I look at him, oh, right. That's what my hair looks like now. For example, that's one of, of many examples I could list. Right. But, and no one cares. 
I don't really even care except for the fact that it's different. It's like if you if you walked in front of the mirror and you're like, oh, right. I forgot my skin is purple now. Right. I'm, I'm the guy with purple skin. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, OK, I have to like somehow integrate that into who I am. I'm the I'm the purple guy now. It's the same thing. It's like, well, wait, no, I'm not purple. Really? Like, am I? I guess I am. And that's aging. Well, I'm, <clears throat> the the the. The side aspect of it that is that's also troubling me is that I've wrestled with vanity my whole life, right? I think, and I think we all do. Everybody I know s- sort of wrestles with vanity and and comes out one way or the other. And a lot of people I know, a lot of men, decided that they were going to combat vanity at some point by <clears throat> standardizing their appearance and 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 um and this is true in a couple of different ways there are the there are the men that have that decided what the haircut was that looked good they decided what their facial hair configuration was that looked good and they decided the clothes that looked good and then they they put a padlock on that they're always going to get their hair cut that same way on a regular schedule they're going to keep their facial hair the way it is and they're mm-hmm. going to dress the same way and they picked a style that's going to work for them forever. And you see plenty of guys who who make that decision. And then there are the then there are the people that have more style than that, you know, more fashion awareness. But within a framework of of being fashionable, they also kind of solidify the the code. You know, they're going yeah. to continue to wear cool clothes but in this <laughs> in this vein, right. You know, they're not going to take risks and, you know, across the whole spectrum of people I know, vanity is a thing that everybody has to sort of carry, carry that backpack with them. And, uh, you know, there are people that we, that we know in common that, that end up being in a thing where they don't want to see any photographs of themselves. Um, because they because it it lights up the control board of vanity and mm-hmm. the and and they don't they don't like their appearance so they want to they want to try to avoid any contact with it um and there are <clears throat> i mean people start at at this age start making some pretty bad choices you know where they where they are having elective surgery to because they're, you know, are they're getting hair manipulations or, right. you know, they're making, <laughs> let's call them choices. Let's not to even say bad choices, but okay. they're making choices to fix things. And you can hear it in, you can hear it in my own kind of confusion about what's happening to me where <clears throat> my vanity has never been in check, but it's lar- my vanity has largely taken the form of reputation. Mm. I, 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 um, I've spent the most of my fretting about it and most of my energy directed at, uh, at being understood. And if I'm misunderstood, that is an insult to my vanity. And if I'm, if I make myself understood or I'm, or I'm naturally intrinsically understood by someone, it is, it, it's, it strokes my vanity. My appearance, I, like I say, I always was kind of resigned to being sloppy. 
I never had a, a dramatic dysmorphia where, or, a, or a, I never imagined my appearance or my, um, my sort of comportation as being that distant from who I actually was. I never, I mean, I have a good friend who in his mind, you can just tell he, he thinks of himself as, as Johnny Depp or as, um, Morrissey. And so when he looks at himself in the mirror, it's yeah. always a horror because he looks nothing like those guys. Right. right. Is it's a horror for him. You mean it's a horror for him each time. So he ends up, he ends up avoiding, uh, seeing his, his reflection, let alone a photograph. Because it's so much, you know, it, cause as he sits there sort of thinking about himself and imagining that he looks like Johnny Depp, that's a happy place for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's a, and it's also like a major tragedy in his life because he doesn't and never will. So I've never had that problem. I've never thought to myself, um, that, you know, that I was rakish and then caught a glimpse of myself and was like shocked and dismayed. Right. But, but finding, finding myself at age 50 going through a period where, where vanity is, is influencing my decisions. And, and like, for instance, sitting in the, in the bathroom with my scissors and my dog clippers at (laughs) three o'clock in the morning, giving myself a haircut, which is something I've done for. (laughs) That's your MO. That's your tradition. Yeah. For a couple of 20 years now, (laughs) but I'm in there and I'm trying to correct. I'm, I'm using these blunt instruments to try and correct some deficiencies, uh, to, you know, from a, from a place of, of a certain kind of, uh, a certain, I feel like I'm on the back foot or I'm on, I'm, I'm off balance vanity wise. And I'm like, what if I just get in there and take this out and put, what if I do this over here? And there's only so, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't wear makeup, so there's only so much I can do, right? I mean, I can only, I can only take hair away. Really is <laughs> the only power I have. Right. Um, and, but, but the problem is that if I shave my beard, I feel like I, I also look terrible like that. That's, and that's been true for a long time. I don't like the look of my face without a beard on it, mm-hmm. but if I let my beard grow long, I just look like a, uh, it's the, it, I think people of both, um, well, r- rather people of all genders experience a kind of feeling in middle age where they, uh, they start to feel invisible, not invisible, but, but, um, but that there, that there are now, there, there's now a whole subset of the population that just isn't interested in them. It isn't interested in them because really because of their age, you know, you're, you're a middle-aged person. You're like a, you know, whatever you're a mom or a dad. The, the, uh, the fact that the term boomer has become, I think kind of brilliantly an insult that millennials are levying at one another. If, and this is, this has evolved just in the last year. 
But if, um, you know, if one millennial does something that another millennial feels is suspect, they go, oh, that's such a boomer move. Mm. It's like the, it's like a devastating sleigh. Uh, and it's basically just a, just a form of like, um, I mean, the boomers are awful and it's, and it's, a, and it's, it's fucking great to use it as an insult, but as a 50 year old to someone who's 29, I may be indistinguishable from someone who's 70, you know, in terms of, I mean, just looking across a room, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, there's all the grays over there. And, uh, I, I, I was looking at a house a few months ago and the people selling the house were baby boomers. They, the husband and wife had met in 1968. She was a stewardess for, uh, Alaska airlines and he was a Navy seal of in Vietnam and they met and they fell in love and they were, you know, they're both very, they maintained a lot of youthfulness over the years and right. they lived in this great house. And I sat with them all afternoon um, because they were the type of boomers that put their house on the market with a real estate agent and then insisted that they be there for the, for the open house. Right. So as the real estate agent was walking people through the house, they were following along and contradicting her. And eventually she threw up her hands and was just like, I can't work like this and left. And then it was just the two of them and me and the open house was over and they were like, can we get you a drink? And we all sat in the living room for like two and a half hours. And I listened to them talk about about their love for one another and what it was like in the sixties. And it's so, and I'm just like, fill up my glass, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to buy your house, but I am, I am fully bought in on your relationship and who you guys are. And at one point, you know, one of them made a, a comment like, well, people our age or just, you know, just a sort of sweeping, generalization, including me. And then, and then the other one was like, well, I mean, you know, we're, we're older than you, but like, you know what I mean about people, our age. And I was like, no, I do not know what you mean. You too, because I was born (laughs) the day that you got married. Right. right? I mean, I'm a complete, I'm a utter generation, but, but really no, no, I'm also like a middle-aged guy with gray hair and they think of themselves as younger than they are. And, um, and honestly, you know, they're 70 and, and young and, and vital 70, and they feel like they're in middle age too. Anyway, all of that is playing into this vanity and I'm starting to be uncomfortable. Uh, like I, I'm uncomfortable with where I, with where I sit mm-hmm. in the world. I don't Because that how, li- the line between you and baby boomers is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, at least in the eye of the observer. And this, and I bo- have, this bothers you. I've been, I've been, um, I've been arrayed against baby boomers my whole yeah, adult and, life. And, right. And, and on this show quite a bit. <laughs> um, and, and I, and so I do not go into being a baby boomer, uh, without kicking and screaming. No, I mean, generation X is a, is a, is a, is a a completely separate world. Uh, uh, We have a, we have a completely separate worldview, but more importantly, when I was 42, I felt 42. I understood how to be 42. Mm -hmm. When I was 35, I understood how to be 35. 
but I don't know how to be 50. And, you know, my capabilities aren't diminished. But at, at 35, I was still a young person. And at 42, I felt like I was still a young person. You know, I was a, I was a older young mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. But, and the thing is, I don't know how much of this is, is a vanity, uh, like a vanity problem or a vanity break. And how much of it is is something I'm uh, that is actually true in the world, and both things probably are true. But like, I don't know where the line is. Like the guy across the street here is a guy that goes to the gym, mm-hmm. and although he has lost his hair, he goes to the gym, so he he looks great, and he is sort of an American dad, so he doesn't dress very well. He wears, uh sports clothes mm-hmm. all the time. That's weird. Um, well, I mean, that's like very common around these parts and by sports clothes, I mean like he wears workout clothes or, you know, like it, he has shirts that have Nike swoop swoops on them. Like he's not, when he gets up and gets dressed, I'm sure he's thinking, does this look good on me? At least somewhat. Everybody probably thinks that, but he's wrong when he when he puts on a shirt that says like body armor or something and walks out at the door. He shouldn't do that. I think it's fine if he's going on a run, if he's going to the right. gym. But there seems to be an epidemic of people who, because for the most part, you know what 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 we would call workout clothes have moved squarely into the loungewear or casual wear right space. And I I actually think this started. I'm not sure where it started to be honest, but I I seem to notice. I noticed it first where women who would be in like their yoga uh, pants and yoga clothes would before or after the yoga, or maybe with the pretense that they just do yoga so much that they would be wearing this as, as if to say, Oh, I just came from yoga or, Oh, I'm going to yoga later and I won't have time to get changed. And it eventually was just like, no, I'm actually not doing yoga even this month, but these clothes are so comfortable and I don't want to, what do I they, they, they say as mm. a, you know, 30 something or 20 something, 40 something woman, I don't want to wear business attire to target, but right. I also don't want to wear what my daughter's wearing. What is there for me? Yoga pants. That's yoga pants. There. And so that I think became, and of course you've had guys wearing, you know, like basketball shorts and tank tops and, and high tops for decades now. So I think that these things just collided together and now you have the athleisure concept. Which, wow. Athleisure. You know, I never athleisure. heard of that before. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're describing. Like they're, they're wearing clothes that would have been for workout. They're wearing them as just a style, a style choice. Right. No. And, and, and there've always been grown men who dress like little boys, um, <laughs> you know, who wear sports jerseys and, and, the, and there's no, there's no workout component to it. Right. It's a, you know, it's a, you're talking like a, a, like a football Jersey or a Jersey that says Ichiro on the back or yeah. Like their favorite sports team. Like they are so sports. They're so, and I, by sports, I don't mean that they are doing sports, but that they are so into sports. I can tell you though, that I, I will, I will say this. I own a Philadelphia Eagles Jersey. 
Mm-hmm. I wear it occasionally, very occasionally on very important games. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that most of the time when I wear it, the Eagles win. Oh. And the times when I've said, I'm, I'm going to test this theory and didn't wear it, we lost. And yeah. I wore it uh, when, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl uh, not so long ago. And I feel like it made a difference. But I'm not, I don't, if, if, if you said, Dan, I'm having a, a, a party for the playoffs and come and, you know, wear your colors, I would, I would put the jersey on. I would wear it sure. to your house and we would, sure. we would hang You're out. You're wearing it to an event. You're wearing a sports thing to an event. Right. But that's, I'm not going to like put it on just because it's a Sunday or put it on during the week because I'm excited about the team or something. It, I, I do have a t-shirt that commemorates the Eagles win at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I have that and I do wear that occasionally, but that's extreme for me. That's extreme. Right. And you would, and you would wear that, you would wear that t-shirt to t-shirt appropriate. Yeah, things, run, right? Go like, run an errand to go to Home Depot or something. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I throw on a t-shirt that says, uh, you know, 90 pound wuss or whatever, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I would wear it to a t-shirt thing. Right. But like, like Russell Simmons, the guy that owns Def Jam Records or owned or ran, uh, you know, he always dresses like a little boy. He's got a Yankees cap on. He's got a little, you know, he's he um, he wears sports clothes. Yeah, like and he'd wear but he'd wear a, a a baseball cap with a with a suit. If he had to wear a suit, the baseball cap's still gonna be on his head. Yeah, and that uh, that's. That's different from like, I'm wearing my workout clothes all the time now. And believe me, like yoga pants, I support them because I I um, hope, I hope what I said didn't come across as a complaint about women wearing yoga pants. I just, let me be very very clear. They're very comely. Uh huh. uh, And I'm glad that they are being worn to go on grocery store errands rather than sweatpants which yes are, yes which please are, you know yoga pants are much better remember when the sweatpants were everywhere and what you know they all they they had that they would say like you know that that something on the juicy or oh, something juicy, on the butt yeah, and yeah, yeah good riddance yeah. of that crap don't do, don't do that don't do that but back to the back to the your neighbor the, across the street wearing wearing the clothes yeah and and wh- he's a little bit younger than i am but but I'm noticing now a pretty clear divide between 50-year-olds that are aging, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even aging appropriately, and 50-year-olds who are maintaining a youthful appearance. And it's either that they're they're not going gray, or they're staying fit, or you know, or are blessed. But but the 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 line now is becoming somewhat clear to me. Like, like Jonathan Colton is a couple of years younger than I am. And he's also, you know, you can see the, you can see the, the wear of the years, but he is maintaining a very Jonathan Colton look Mm. going forward. Right. He still, he still seems like his, his younger self. And I think if you put, if you put a picture of the two of us taken in 2011 next to a picture of the two of us taken this year, I would seem to have aged a lot faster Ah. than he aged 
just just uh, you know based on this handful of things that we're talking about and that's part of what is what's causing this vanity alarm um and it's part of what's causing me to struggle with how to how to match the 50 year old i am with the one that i imagined because the one that i imagined was that at 50 i would still um appear to be uh, formidable and not start to f- start to have aspects of like, well, look that you can see that you can see the decay is on him. You can see the, the ghost <laughs> is, is already riding. Him. <laughs> and, you know, and you look at, but, and for instance, I mean, you look at Tom Cruise, right? He's, he's a few years older than I am. Yeah. And, and uh and keanu reeves and these guys and obviously they're actors and they're very carefully uh, and their job named, is is to look good they were there right. that's their job is to look good but what they look like is themselves and yet there's starting to be some etching happening right there their lines etched into them there's mm-hmm. a kind of they start to feel more and more carved out of oak um like Duff McKagan has for a long time been made entirely out of muscle and hardwood. <laughs> and as he gets older, that just becomes more and more true, right? He seems to be now like an oak that has, that's been, that's, that's kind of been in the wind growing maybe on a promontory overlooking the ocean. <laughs> Right. We're just like that fucking tree, the my salt God. air, you know? Yeah. And you know what I, and I have always felt like I was, you know, three uncooked ham in a, <laughs> in a, like a cheesecloth bag. <laughs> but like, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to fall off, right. To just sort of peel away from my, contemporaries and be someone who looks, you know, this is the Wilford Brimley problem. And I just crossed the Brimley line, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the Brimley line being the age that Wilford Brimley was, uh, when cocoon was released. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's a hilarious line because as you, because he was very young relative to Don Amici or whoever, you know, he was, he aged, young. So at the age of 50, he was playing a retiree. Right. Against F- all these 15 other 15 years his senior. Yeah, or or older. Or older. Right? And so this Brimley line is hilarious, but when you go look at the Brimley line uh cuz there's a Twitter feed of course. And you look at the people as they cross it. You know, you look at me and you're like, yeah, he doesn't look as, he doesn't quite look as old as Wilfred Brimley did in Cocoon, but like you could see it. You see, I couldn't play a 70 year old, but, but there are, you know, there are plenty of people that cross the Brimley line and you're like, and, and the whole point of the Brimley line is that you go, what? No way. Like when Madonna crossed it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you were like, that's insane. That's hilarious. That was, you know, that was when we first noticed it, right? Like what Madonna, you know, like Prince is the same age as Wilford Brimley. No way. But to cross it and have people go like, yeah, I see it. <laughs> it's, it's like, Ugh. 
So, but I'm trying to wrestle with this internally, right? There's nothing I can do about it. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to dye my beard and I'm not, and, and what I can do about it, of course, is go to the gym and start wearing yoga pants to the grocery store. But there's, you know, there's something else and it is a kind of, it's just, it's just a roll of the dice. I am going to be grizzled from here on out. And, you know, and when people come up to me, you know, when, and it's generally older people, when they come up to my daughter at a grocery store and go like, oh, are you out with granddad or whatever? And it's only happened a couple of times. Oh, kill me. I don't blame them because I'm an older dad, right? She was, I was 40, uh, 42 when she was born. And to somebody who's in their seventies, who was accustomed to people having kids in their twenties. You know, it's, that's not, it's not inconceivable actually that I could be her. Is that true? Yeah. I could be her grandfather. No, wait a minute. No, I couldn't. Could I? No. Yeah, I guess I could have. We would like to say thanks very much to Mac Weldon at Mac Weldon. Their mission is simple. They want to make sure all your basics and beyond are smartly designed and that shopping for them is easy and convenient. That's why Mack Weldon was founded because they wanted more out of the basics and always questioned how something so essential could be such a pain to buy. And, uh, and then they had their Eureka moment. They, they, they were at a department store aisle full of brands that dominated their top drawer. They were surrounded by a mind numbing assortment of underwear and socks. And they realized consistency and quality was a game of roulette. You could buy something two two pairs of socks off the same shelf, they're going to be different. That's, uh, it's insanity. And that's what they decided to fix. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, I've got a ton of their stuff and it, it's great. I have their underwear, I have their socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, all the stuff they make. I have it. I've bought it on my own from them and, uh, and I love it. They even have silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor because the thing is they want you to be comfortable. They want you to feel good. They want you to look good. And obviously they don't want you to stink. So they're willing to say, you know what? Try it. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. That's how confident they are. And that's how much they care about how well you like it. And, uh, and, but not only does their underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. This is for working out, going to work, going on a date, everyday life. And that's how I wear my stuff. All of this stuff. I'm wearing the Mack Walden socks right now. I love their stuff. And it really, I don't want to call it overbuilt because that sounds bad, but it re- they make this stuff designed to last. They make this stuff designed to, to, to be with you for a while and to look good and still look new. And there I have a special discount for our listeners, 20% off your first order if you visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code ROADWORK. And that's spelled just like it sounds, Mac, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon, 20% off your first order, MacWeldon.com, promo code ROADWORK. Thanks very much to Mac Weldon for making this show possible. What do you set as the minimum reasonable age to father a child? Not where you're physically capable of it, but where it seemed like a realistic possibility for you in your life. Oh, for me personally, I mean, I have friends, I have high school 
uh, friends that had a kid, uh, uh, you know, within nine months of graduation. So eight, would you say 18? Uh, so I, I, I definitely know people that had kids when they were 18. Okay. Um, in the modern world, I think, or at least certainly in the, if you live in a, in a city, that's less common. If you are, if you're a member of a, of a, uh, like a, a cultural demographic that intends to go to college and right. that intends to sure, be sure. professional people. Okay, right? but no, here's, mean, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if yeah. you were 18, if, if in theory it would have been maybe not ideal, but reasonable for you to have had your daughter at age 18. And then if she followed suit and had a child at age 18, then that would mean when you're 36. So if you're 36, anyone who was born, what year did you turn 36? Anyone uh, who was born that year or after you could be there or, bef- or, or you could be their grandfather basically. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, uh, like age wise. Sure. Yeah. Age sure. wise. I mean, you, I could have had a kid when I was 15, well, right? Yeah. I mean, it, but that would be ex- yeah, extreme at 36. Um, so that would be, I mean, I was 36 <laughs> in 2004. Right. So anyone born on or before two th- after 2004, you, you could be their grandparent potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I could be the grandparent of a 15 year old. Right. Potentially. Yeah. Which and is I think freakish. Those friends of mine from high school uh, that had kids when they were 18, I think that they are grandparents of, of teenagers. I think I have lots of, lots of friends um, that have grandchildren at this point, let's say. Not maybe. I can't even, I can't even imagine. And some of them are very, very young looking and, <coughs> and that's because they, you know, they, had, they got rid of their kids when they were early. All of us idiots that had kids when we were in our thirties and forties are chumps. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately so, it's so, uh, you need so much energy to raise a child. I could not have, I think the earliest age that I could have had a kid and done and done right by that kid was like, if I'd had a kid at 18, I, I, Absolutely. It would be one of those situations where my mother raised it. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. I know exactly what you, what you mean. But like the earliest age that I would have been capable and competent enough to make the sacrifices necessary to raise a kid, uh, would have probably been about 30. That's the, you know, at 27, 28, I still wouldn't have, I wouldn't have fully understood what needed to happen next. Uh, but at 30, I, st- I, I, I could have, you know, I could have put aside childish things. I'm lucky that I waited till I was 40. I'm grateful that I was able to, but, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not shy at my daughter's school. Like I don't feel I don't feel that much older than, than, um, the, the parents of her contemporaries. And of course I live in a, in a hipster city where there are a lot of older parents. Right. No, it's, it has much more to do with, um, and, and some of this is tied up in what's my plan. Again, uh, having lived a planless life, 
it's very different to be planless when you when you are uh, when you have when your beard is dark than it is to be planless when your beard is gray. And there are there are lots of people I think who reach the age of fifty and feel like they've got themselves set up pretty well and they can put the car in neutral for a while. And it's a dangerous thing to do. But 50 years old is the age that uh, if you made a career in the military, you absolutely could retire yeah. uh, and, and could have retired already several years ago. I mean, you're reaching, in some cases, the mandatory age of retirement from the military. If you, um, if you had a good job at a, at a company that where you never got laid off and, and the, and the job offered good benefits, you know, if you worked your whole career someplace Mm -hmm. like at Boeing, you're aging a time or you're reaching a time when you could retire. And the danger at 50 is that you would say, yeah, things, you know, like I said, I set it, set it all up pretty well. And now it's me time. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. When you hang out with friends, would you say are most, or, or is maybe you can't even quantify this, but would you say are most of your friends, your age, that, that would be within a 10 year span, either five years younger, five years older than you in somewhere in that range? Would you say most of the people you hang out with fit into that category or is it much more varied than that? It's much, much more varied. Because uh, mine is two, And I, I a lot of the time, like if I have to go to some kind of like parent, you know, teacher thing where they have all the parents together in a room and they're like, you know, a big thing like that for thing. Most of them fit into that range. Most of them are close to my age, right around there, a few years younger, a few years older. And whenever I'm sitting in there and this is the weirdest thing, I'm like, these people are all like, they're so old and boring. (laughs) And it's not that I think I'm like cooler than them because I don't think I'm cooler than anybody ever. But I just like, I don't feel like I fit in with that whole thing. And it's not like what's going on. Yeah. And it, and it's, and it's, it's not like I'm out, you know, like living the lifestyle of a, of a 19 year old at all. I, the lifestyle is the same, but like when I'm hanging out, they just seem like they're, they all seem so tired and unhealthy and overweight. And I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just like observing and it's like, I don't, and like what they don't, they don't seem to have interests anymore. Really? They're like, what do you do? Well, you know, just do, you know, like got the kids. Yeah. I got the kids. So, you know, taking them to swim lessons. I mean, that's the guy across the street here. And there's nothing wrong with it. Cause they seem happy. Uh, but I just like, I don't feel like I connect with that the, the same way, but it's yeah. not, it's not like I'm repelling you know, down the side of a rock face or trying to, you know, climb Kilimanjaro or something. I'm not like doing that either, but like, yeah, I'm in the gym two or three times a week because if I don't do that, my, I have back problems, really bad back problems. And so like I, I go because that's, and I realize that's an old thing to say too, but like I, I go because my body needs me to do that. That is what, what the millennials would call self-care that's mm. what, that's, that's me making sure that I don't wake up in pain every day. And Self-care. if I, if I work out, uh, and lift weights, then 
um, then, then I feel better physically. I'm able to do things I wasn't able to do when I was younger. Yeah. And so like I do that and then, you know, and I, I eat at restaurants and, yes. and that seems to be a uncommon thing for a lot of people in my age group here. It's like, yeah, you go to a restaurant once a week. Well, I, you know, like I go more often than that. And, and I read stuff on the internet. I read the, mm. the young people websites on the internet. Like I've, I've looked at Reddit before oh, and dear. a lot of people my age have never heard of that. And that's not an extreme example either. And I don't know. Like I just, I'll be at these things. I'll like, like, I hope none of these people and they still do, but I'm like, I hope they don't ask me to like go hang out because it's not, it's, it's going to be boring. And I don't like, I don't know where that comes from. It's not again, like I want to reemphasize. I don't think I'm in some way superior or better. I feel the opposite. I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on this kind of relaxed contentment they have to hit cruise control and sit back and watch the world take them wherever it goes. Hmm. I don't feel that way ever. And, and they seem much happier for it. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I just, I don't like, I don't, it's like I, I walk in, I'm like, Oh, there's a bunch of old people in here. And I'm like, Dan, you're their age. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? But I don't, I don't understand what that means, but I thought I would just share that with you. I, uh, I'm in a situation where a lot of the people that are, uh, that I know that are my age are also in, uh, in rock music. So for instance, they're forced to be younger because of that lifestyle in a way. Yeah. Last night I was at an event where we went, uh, down to city hall to make a case to the landmark preservation board that they should landmark uh, a venue here in Seattle that is very important to a lot of us as a kind of, you know, it's sort of our home field. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the space that the venue occupies is directly across from the Seattle's Pike Place Market. And it's a large, you know, it's a, it's a half a block or more uh, directly across from the market. So if you built a 40 story, uh, like luxury loft building, it's a, it would be a situation where they could never build anything across the street from you. So your views would be assured and your apartment would be in the very heart of the city. Um, and so there have been offers on this prop. So, 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 uh, someone owns the property now that wants to develop it. The, the original owner sold Mm -hmm. and the new owner has been offered as much as $41 million for the structure. And yet this building is where it's where it all happened. You know, this is where my whole generation of musicians, this is the, this was the, this was the tent, you know, where we all, uh, cut our teeth. So we're all down there and we're trying to get it landmarked. Well, there are a lot of problems with that. And, and eventually like we succeeded yesterday in getting it landmarked, uh, because the landmark board, which is made up of eight or to 10 architects or urban planners, 
they all, and this is kind of the first time I've ever seen this happen at a city meeting of this kind, but they all acknowledged that although the building is not really, let's not say it's very architecturally significant, it's not beautiful, but that the that its cultural import is enough to to wor- uh, to to um, to justify landmark status mm-hmm. uh, and that's new because they were talking about things like the soul of the city and they and a couple of them made the connection like we are here to landmark buildings because we believe that buildings play an important role in the lifeblood of a city and if a building that is being used uh, has such a significance to a huge community of people is that not the whole reason that we're landmarking? You know, we don't, we're not just trying to preserve architecture. We're trying to preserve the, what makes a city itself, you know, it was compelling. But after the, after the meeting dispersed, there was a group of us standing around and we're all about the same age. Megan Jasper, who is CEO of sub pop and Chad Criolo, who is, uh, the, the guy that runs AEG in Seattle and Jonna, who, who's been working the backstage door at the Showbox for 26 years. I mean, she and I used to live in the same house back in 1993 and we're all standing around. And the thing is, we're all still, we all still are young and, and rock and roll and, um, we're all wearing cool glasses and we all have funky shoes <laughs> You know, there's not that feeling that you get at a parent-teacher conference where you look around at the other parents and you're like, oh, shit, you've all given up. Like, we were all standing around like, all right, we'll see you tomorrow at the Rock on Tours concert or whatever. We're all con- we're all continuing to kid ourselves that we are young and fun. No, I, I'm still, I'm still very alive. This is why the disconnect between this between my perception of my appearance and my inner world is so shocking to me um, because it's not a disconnect I've experienced before. And I don't know exactly how to, because I need to, I need to transition, right? I need to get a new self image and wear it with grace. And I'm not sure because there are all these other aspects to it, right? There are these, there are these other angles where, um, like there have been a, there have been a couple of times recently where I've been in the company of a, of a girl that I was seeing and we were out in the world and there was a, I don't know whether I, I mean, I wasn't looking for it, but there were a couple of times where I, where I caught a glance from someone that felt a little bit raised eyebrowy, mm. um, because of the age difference and the age difference wouldn't have been apparent if my, uh, beard was a little darker. Right. Sure. But the gray you know, makes me look older. Mm-hmm. And because the, because the, the woman in question was chic and, and, uh, and well, well attired, she seems younger than she is. 
but there's enough of a there's enough of a distance that there's a that there's a kind of like hmm and that's a thing that uh has a whole host of associations right uh that that a, that a man can be a creep past a certain point just by being still interested in sex right even. right and you and know that, maybe, maybe having sex with someone who's younger than he was but you know even not by that much but like like we don't although they're of the 50 and 60 year old men obviously are still um sexual creatures and in the world sexual creatures right george clooney is still a sex symbol mm-hmm. um, brad pitt still is Lots of, lots of men are, um, but there's this other aspect that comes in where it's just like the, you know, the, the notion of the lecher or of the, um, predator, someone who's older and, and misusing that, the money that comes with that or the authority that comes mm-hmm. with it to bamboozle people, um, and to to work outside of what the, what people feel like should be the corral around them, and and my, you know my appearance makes that more exaggerated, and I'm very sensitive to that. I and, and I was when I was 26, right? I mean, when I was when I was 26 and in the company of 23 year olds, I felt like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, there's a little <laughs> bit of an age difference right, here. Like, like there's a huge difference between 23 and 26 and there's almost no age difference between 40 and 50 or, but or I fe- 45 and 60. But I, but I felt incorrectly then that I had, that as a 26 year old, I had a responsibility to pr- protect the innocence <laughs> of 23 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've always, I've always had that. Um, I've always, I, I've always carried a kind of mistaken responsibility uh, that, that over time, you know, I, I, when I was, when I was 30, my girlfriend was 24 and, and that was a, that was an instance where she sort of just asserted herself and said like, hello, I am your new girlfriend. And I said, oh, okay. I, it wasn't a, uh, it, it, it wasn't a thing where I was standing outside the schoolhouse door, you know, looking for a younger girlfriend. It was, it was, um, it was a thing I hap- uh, that, that happened to me more than anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over the years I've dated plenty of people that were, that were my age, that were a little older, that were, uh, that were a little younger but the but the idea of being in my fifties and having a and 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 having feeling that beginning of a feeling from the from just people on the street like, aren't you a little old for this? Shouldn't you be out to pasture already? You know that and it and it's a it's an aspersion that right, young people like cast who, on. Who old are you people. trying to be? Who do you think you are? Right, and I mean my hair's. It's not like I'm dying my hair and and. Uh, and trying to still be 26, I'm not at a, I'm not like 
going to EDM concerts and standing in the middle of the dance floor or pogoing in the middle of the dance floor going, I'm still alive. You know, like I'm, I'm engaging in age appropriate behavior, which is to say shopping for a mid-century modern house. Like I'm doing, I'm doing what middle-aged people do, which is, uh, going on house tours on Saturday afternoons and, uh, and sometimes going to city council meetings. But, but the challenge is this is all, the challenge is it's not all in my head. A lot of it is in my head and some of it is real in the world. And I don't know where the, I don't know where to, to, um, you know, to locate myself there. So, some of this is I have to, I have to get a new identity or I have to, or I have to, my identity has to evolve and it has to evolve in a positive way. I can't just succumb. I can't go, well, it's all over. You look like shit now. And then the other problem, Dan, is I like to wear Hawaiian shirts. It's like I look, it's like I'm, you couldn't be, you couldn't pick a worse shirt to wear if you're worried about looking like a middle-aged guy <laughs> than a Hawaiian shirt. That's true. And Hawaiian shirts are super popular right now with young people, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change that on a man with a gray beard they just invisibilize you. They invisible, uh, invisible, invisibly lies. <laughs> they, you know, they just disappear you because you look like a guy, you look like a middle-aged guy in a Hawaiian shirt, which is, which is like half the middle-aged guys. Certainly like if you're down in the Florida Keys, but I like them. They're great. I'm really into them. And, <laughs> and, I've never been a cliche and I think that may be what it is. I've never been a cliche and I look around more and more at myself and feel like, oh shit, there's signs of cliche creeping in. Um, when I was 26 and I dressed like a 50 year old, that was iconoclastic. Mm -hmm. But when you're 50 and you dress like a 50 year old, it's cliche. And even these frets that I'm expressing are cliche. And I don't know how to be cliche. Um, but I, but uh, uh, the, uh, a worse thing would be that I, re- that I react to this by buying a leather jacket. I mean, this maybe is exactly the impulse that drives men my age to buy red cars. Yeah. Maybe it is. And a Corvette is not going to solve this for me. 